Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Sticks and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea and Ten. Hi, Tim. How are you after our crazy week of ancestor rituals? Oh, my God. First of all, I, I forgot to tell you this when we were talking literally three seconds ago. Um, I I have the hurtiest of tummies because I have housed what I would imagine is a full bag of Reese's cups. Mm. Because, I mean, we, of course, were handing out Halloween candy for trick-or-treaters, but we had like, I don't know, some ungodly amount of candy bags. No, no. I was there when Kevin came home with the candy yeah. and I was like, my brother in Christ. <laughs> Why? So Why so many? Two thirds of those we oh, gave good. out. Good. Oh my God. We went through so much candy and like, I absolutely love being on this side of like trick-or-treating now and like giving it out. The kids, oh my God, they're so nice. Their costumes are incredible, but it was so much fun. But since we have candy left over, I, I love a good peanut butter cup and man, you know, when you just have one over your limit where you're like, oof, I'm questioning all my life decisions, questioning on why. Sugar. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you see all of those wrappers in the trash and you're like, mm, that was me. <laughs> that was me like a raccoon just eating Reese's like they don't exist any other time. during Any other time. No, I'm eating out there like a campground raccoon ready to fight God. But yeah, it was, it was so much fun. I, made enchiladas it was so fun did all of the ancestor things man they are whew, they got everything I know I'm excited well I'm excited to try the enchiladas tomorrow it's yes. been a while since I've had an enchilada but yeah we've had a lot going on like spiritually with um you know both of us were celebrating in our perspective cultures our ancestors mm-hmm. um you know I do something for my ancestors my Italian ancestors I also have Irish ancestors that celebrate Samhain so I was running around making pasta with sauce. It was like, I woke up and I kind of felt them like looming over me of like, today's the day. <laughs> Get out I, my offerings. And I'm like, mm-hmm, running around like a, like a waitress. In a schmata. <laughs> a, a waitress in a schmata. That's exactly what was happening. And I kid you not, I woke up and like, I hadn't even had my coffee yet. And my ideology is I serve my ancestors first. So mm-hmm. ancestors eat first. The dead always eat first in my house. And then me. Well, yes. Pluto, I'm sorry, King Pluto, king of this household. <laughs> and then me. And then like an hour or two had passed and I realized I didn't have my coffee. I didn't have any coffee because I was too busy doing shit. One of those days, man, when I got Kevin to actually help me because he was home from work with the enchiladas. And then when he got his food and everything, I was like, no, 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 you have to sit down. Like my great grandmother is going to roll in her grave if I do not serve you. And it's not anything bad of like, you must serve your husband. It's like, I want to, but I also know my great grandma would be rearing back to smacks head and be like, you serve your husband. Yes. No, I, I completely get it. (laughs) Almost tackled Um, him to be like, just let me do this. I love you. Just sit. (laughs) I have to do it or else I'm never going to hear the end of it. Oh yeah. My great grandma used to do it all the time to my mom when she would bring me and my dad up. Um, this is before my sister was born and she'd look at my mom and be like, Miha, serve your husband. And she'd be like, grandma, he has two legs. I know. <laughs> I know. Like, I think we've talked about this in another episode. My family does the same thing. My Italian family where the men eat first. And like, that's just the way that it is. And if I told you, my mom sometimes glares at me from across the room when I'm not getting up to help serve. And I'm like, Ugh. "Oh, none of these glare. are my husbands. Like, <laughs> I don't want to serve them. What is it about like the glare from a mother that like, I don't know, that thing oh. could power earth. That's, I'm seeing it in my head and I'm like already shaking in my boots. Like just the stare across the room of you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing at the family function and get up and clean those dishes. Yep. Look at her across the way. And I know we've talked about this, but like <laughs> holiday season's coming up and shit. My ass is going to be in the kitchen. I, I need to like do like some like timed like things of how fast I can get out of a chair for like a sprint because I'll be 3,000 miles away from my mom. And if I do not help clean up dishes on Thanksgiving, I will feel the glare yeah. from California. Oh, but my brother can sit there with his feet up, <laughs> take a nap after Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's just a cultural thing and it's fine, but you know, I expect it. So I'm like, great. We need to do some training. <laughs> I do have to say though, my dad cooks. He like cooks on Thanksgiving. He's an excellent, excellent, excellent cook. Like really good. Oh, my dad like uh, smokes the turkey and everything. Yeah, so, yeah. Like he I does like the meat, and my mom does the sides with her green bean casserole. Oh, well, I still haven't made a casserole yet. You guys want to hear something funny? I'll share a little story. I got the um, I got a new 
Oracle deck. And the first card that came out was the casserole Oracle card. And I was doing divination with my ancestors and I felt them laughing at me because I still have not made a casserole at all. And they're probably like, where's that casserole you promised us? And it's like, (laughs) I don't have it. It just got cold ancestors. Like, as I said last time, casseroles can be a more like midwinter. Yeah, I know. You know, it was just them saying, where's Mm. my casserole? And I'm like, I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. It was them going, hmm, TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. But um, anyway, I have a little bit of an exciting opening for the podcast today. I was telling Ten. Okay. We have a lot to talk about today because your girls are talking about curses, chaos. And now we're talking about places women would not go on their first dates. <laughs> and I feel like it all goes together, you know? <laughs> I mean, it does to curse or to cause chaos, to be yeah, because honest. You don't like the first date. So which one is it? <laughs> um. So on TikTok, there's been a viral list going around that women have come together collectively as a whole to put together and say, there, these are places I will not go on a first date because one person's video went viral where they were like, this man wanted me to take me to the Cheesecake Factory and for a first date. And I think that's unacceptable. I love the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I do too. So we might have a different opinion, but every single podcast I listen to has been talking about this. And I'm like, Ted and I need to break this down. We need, we need to, to talk in. about it. I want everyone to sound off in the comments on Instagram or write in. Um, we sometimes have like an entry on Spotify where you can like type to us and like, we'll publish your answer. So here's the list. Are you ready? Yes. The first one is Cheesecake Factory. So women won't go here. I will. Applebee's, Chili's, Chipotle, Olive Garden, the movies. Your house, any fast food chain, Buffalo Wild Wings, Wingstop, Red Lobster, a buffet, IHOP, Denny's, the gym, church, Starbucks, anything that's a coffee date, ice cream dates, family functions, movie nights, somewhere that requires a long drive, bowling, nightclubs, a hookah bar, a bar just for drinks, Waffle House, and sports events. So where are you going then? That's literally nowhere. So I like have some thoughts about this. I almost want to take this tit for tat, man. Like go. Okay. I feel like let's just, we'll be sitting here all day. I don't want to go through 28 of these, but it's like the franchises. Okay. Things that are franchise. I fucking love Chili's. I do too. But do you want to go there on first date? And you have to really think about this. Mm -hmm. And I think a few things come into factor, but I'll let you answer first. Mm, okay so like chilies and buffalo wild wings and like olive Apple- garden applebee's like anything that's a as a franchise like cheesecake factory all those places denny's okay. ihop like okay well i love denny's only because it reminds me of my grandparents but aside right, but from that you can love a restaurant but you have to remove this i don't know if i would be going to like a denny's or an ihop for like a date because i i personally strictly have that just for breakfast so i don't know how many breakfast dates there are out there but right. I'm going to, I'm going to be pro those, but like the Buffalo wild wings, I could see myself doing that if I was like super into like sports right. and like the game was on. So like the person I was going to go meet up and, you know, go on the date with, if we were both rooting for that team, you know, let's go together in a public space, watch the game, get some drinks, eat some wings. Like that sounds pretty chill to me. I, I think I. I understand why they're on the list, but also too, what if you live in like the middle of nowhere and a franchise restaurant is the only thing that you have. And it's like the nice place to go out in your town. Like say you live in a small town and you don't want to go to the small town diner or restaurant because everyone's there. So you're going to Olive Garden, right? I love Um, Olive Garden. (laughs) I love Olive Garden too. And I'm Italian and I know that's like a fucking mortal sin to say, but I love the four cheese ziti al forno. Sorry, delicious. (laughs) Sorry, I will be a freaking sword swallower with those breadsticks just to get another basket yeah and like i like chilies like if someone asked me to go to chilies with them on a first date i would go because i i am i love chilies do i go all the time no but is it like a nostalgic place yeah Yeah, but i also get why some people wouldn't go here for a first date yeah i would go there am i going to absolutely unhinge my jaw and house a rack of baby back ribs no maybe no I do have to say, I agree with the movies, though. The movies is on here. I think that's a terrible first date. 
I think it's a terrible first date when you reach a certain age. Like if you're a teenager, sure. But during a first date, like you want to talk, you want to get to know the person. And yeah, I mean, you're going to be shushed the entire time at a movie theater. Yeah. I don't think not unless you are like a movie, you're both movie buffs and like, that's your thing. You know, like I said, it depends on what your thing is, but you're so right about Buffalo Wild Wings. I like Buffalo Wild Wings. And if it was a sporting event, I'd be there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, a buffet, I probably wouldn't do that just because I'm not gonna eat my weight in a buffet on a first date. I, won't. I would I would want to, but society says I can't. It's so. not worth the price at that point. You're better yeah. off going to Cheesecake Factory, you know, because like you exactly. can't eat your weight. The whole point of going to a buffet is to eat the entirety five, seven plates of a buffet. Is to make money back on what I paid. Yes. Absolutely. Um the gym. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I'm not a gym girl. I don't, I don't hate it. Like, like I said, if you're into fitness and that's what you guys love and you want to be gym partners. But like, I feel like if you guys meet at the gym, why would you go date at the gym? Like, yeah. mm. Yeah. Maybe I would like do the gym and then do something. I don't know. I don't go to the gym. So (laughs) I don't know. That's why I run in my home gym because I've run in public. No, no, thanks. (laughs) Church. No for me, but I think that's a nice place. I now it's a nice place. Now I got a question. Is yes. this including like church? Like they have like the time. It just says church, man. I don't have any specifics <laughs> after church specials of like gatherings or plenty well, of fish people, style kind of dating. I don't know. Some people join youth groups and meet that way. And I think like, that's an incredible, if you're really strong in your faith, I think that's an incredible way to meet somebody. Therefore, you know, that person yeah. is also Catholic or Christian. I'm about if- that life. Like, I Absolutely. think I know people that have met nice people through church. I think that's great. But if Kevin was like, Hey, it's our first date. Do you want to go to church? I, I think I would say, can we pick a different place? It, and I think this whole list depends on what are your interests? Because I don't think anyone's just going to ask you if you want to go to church on a first date, if you have not expressed that you're super religious, right? Correct. We could go right. split a meal, share a Eucharist, if you will. We're going to make out in front of the Lord <laughs> in the pipe. Jesus wafer. Okay, so this one's been controversial. And one of the podcasts I listened to said that coffee dates were like off their first date list. And I couldn't understand why. Why? I think coffee dates are nice because if you're a woman that doesn't want to meet someone in the nighttime because you're afraid of online dating. Yes. I think coffee dates are great if you're just trying to meet someone and see if you have a spark. I, yes, absolutely. Oh my God, that's so well said because it's like no expectations. It's purely fun and to like get to know them with like no strings attached it's just like you're going I have had friends that have gone on coffee dates because they didn't want to they weren't sure how they felt about the person they were meeting online and like they didn't want to go meet in a bar it was nighttime you know like I feel like people realize that sometimes I feel like a coffee date is a good like pre-date date it's like the date train wheels in a sense. Yeah. Or if you're like getting back into it, I feel like a coffee date is a great thing. I've done a coffee date before and I, I mean, it didn't work out, but (laughs) I thought it was nice because it's like, it's no commitment. You can take your coffee and leave. If you don't like that person, you could sit there, you can order another, get a donut. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody asked me on a coffee date. And then by the end of that afternoon, apparently the rumor was that I was in a committed relationship with them. So, oh, well, that's a lunatic. Um, family functions, which that's a no for me. Uh, I'm sorry. I would never take someone to meet my family. That's bold. I'd rather die. That's bold. But two weeks after dating, Kevin was like, we're going to meet my family for my sister's birthday at the cheesecake factory. Your first date, your first date. It was still early. Yeah, that's still early, but (laughs) first fine. I can, I can see past that, but for your first date where you like, don't really even know this person. That's, that's a bold move. You're going to go meet their mom. If that works out, marry them. I don't know. That's a weird thing. If someone asks you that, run. Why? Why are they going to use you as like a a date for the wedding? Like what? Why? Why would you want to take me to your family function? I don't know. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, bowling. I I don't know why this is on the list. I would do that. I think that's fun. I think that's so fun. Get drunk at the bowling alley. Have some cheese fries wear used shoes and roll a big old ball (laughs) yeah like who put that on here nightclubs i get i turned it to dust by no yeah even like i'm trying to think younger me like i don't think i would necessarily how do 
you someone at a club? How do you date? Like go on a first date at a nightclub. You bump and grind. <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. That's what you do. No, right, this one, this one, I don't get a bar for just drinks. I've isn't that like normal? I don't know. Why is this? On, I think going to dinner with someone is scarier than meeting them for a happy hour drink. Yes. You're locked in on dinner. You're there. You know, you're there for at least an hour and you have to eat in front of them. I always did the drinks. Like I would go, I worked in New York city. So I would go after work and like meet someone at a bar. And if I didn't so like easy. them, it was a half hour. Yeah. Right. Like you're online dating. You're going to get a drink casual. Thank you. Glass of wine. Don't like you leaving. Don't need another. Yeah. Thank you very much. Waffle house. <laughs> I've never been to a waffle house, so I can't comment. Dude. That's neither have I. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily do breakfast for a date. I'm not really, um, it's too early for me. Oh God. Yeah. You know, my eyes have to depuff. <laughs> I got to do my facial massages and sports events like football or baseball. I am half and half on it. Yeah, I'm pretty torn too. I, if someone asked me, do you want to go see a Giants game with me as a first date? I would do it. I would not, I, I can't see myself saying no, but like, I'd probably want to tailgate first. So like, I can like hang out, drink a beer. But then if you don't like them, you're stuck, you're stuck with them the whole football game. Yeah. I don't know. But again, it's kind of like that Buffalo Wild Wings thing of like, if you like sports right. and you've been like chit-chatting, sending DMs and everything, like then you should right. know whether that's for you or not. And the game kind of is like a buffer. So if, even if you don't like them, you still don't have to talk to them the full time because the game is on, right? Correct. You can kind of like tune off, tune on to the date. Yeah, I'm 50-50 on that. Like I said, I think it depends on your interests. But um, that's basically the – oh, and one of them is your house. Yeah, I wouldn't go to someone's house for a first date. Oh, my God. For – Kevin and I's first date, he actually wanted, he was sweet. And I, I was just scared because, you know, being a woman, but he asked yeah, right. to pick me up for the date. And he thought I was lying because that summer that we met, they were relaying the trolley tracks in front of my apartment. So the whole street was dug up. Like there was no street. There was just a ditch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, like my street doesn't exist. And he's like, oh, she's just scared. She's lying. And then like date three came around and he pulled up and he was like, oh, you literally do not have a road. It's there's no road here. There's no road <laughs> gone. Yeah. I've never let someone pick me up for a first date. If I don't know them, like if you know them and you're going on your first legitimate date, that's different. But I am too petrified as a woman in this world where I'm like, no, no, I'll meet you there. I'll take an Uber. I'll drive <laughs> myself safety. I took um, the subway and I shared my location with so many people. Oh yeah. I do the same thing where I'm like, this is where I'm at. I'm here. Please. If I don't respond to you tonight, like here's where my body is yep and then oh we missed this one ice cream dates that sounds fun i know i don't want what who made this list i'm like i don't know i don't i don't disagree with a lot of this i mean i feel like i don't know i feel like it's kind of pretentious to like have some of these listed on this there's so many caveats to these things you know what i I mean i love ice cream i'd go what if you live in a small town and you don't have access to like a family-owned Italian restaurant for a date with like wine coming out the ass and all you have is Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, I mean, Cheesecake Factory has it all. Have you seen how thick their menu is? Do you watch the Try Guys? Uh, I, I've seen a few of them, yes. Okay, Keith, if anyone watches the Try Guys, he did the whole entire Cheesecake Factory menu. It was a three-part series. It was insane. I felt so bad for him. It looked like he was going to die after each video. I was like, he did he didn't do all the cheesecakes. I think he did like 30. There's a ton of them. <laughs> yes. Oh everything off of the Cheesecake Factory menu. And everything was pretty good. Listen, I, I stand with Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> we support. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. So that is the list. Who um, are the girls who got together? Because I have some goddamn questions. This landed on the wrong side of TikTok because it didn't float my way on the internet where I would have been standing up in the comments for chilies. Yeah. Are you I would have been standing standing up for buffalo wild wings and for ice cream and coffee dates yeah and a bar a drink at the bar that's what most people do who put that on there (laughs) i want names name names and point fingers i'm calling your mom yeah seriously what the hell anyway um i want everyone's thoughts what do you think about that what about that list i know we're talking about magic today but you know magic magic can happen on the first date i know 
Okay. Well, today's episode, we're talking about chaos magic, but we're also going to be talking about curses again. Um, and curses kind of fall under chaos magic. So we're talking about all the weird, crazy things that go on in the Greco-Roman world and the Italian world of magic and chaos. Um, but before we do, this episode is actually inspired by our baneful chaos oil called the Maelstrom oil, which you can inflict chaos upon your target. So we are some baneful girls. Um and we love this oil. We stand by it and it will inflict chaos on somebody. So be careful when you're using it. Careful. It's a spicy. Uh, Chelsea talked about it a few episodes ago when she was making it and how we both became hissy puffy central. But uh, I, I actually don't like to make it and I make 10 do it because <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't really I'm not like a chaos person. Like I'm very type A. Things have to be a certain way. So when one thing falls out of line, it's like my whole world falls apart. <laughs> Death five. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. So chaos, maelstrom, all of that kind of stuff. And what better way to do it than with your baneful babes? I mean, really? Yeah, we are still croning in the fall. And um, yeah, a lot of people are afraid of chaos and curses. And wait till I tell you guys about some Italian curses I've been reading about today that are actually horrifying. I I don't I don't know. I just don't know what to think of this. Magic is hardcore sometimes. I think it comes from the fact of like, what are you defining as like chaos? And I think that's like the biggest kind of umbrella thing, because I mean, the good people of sticks and bones, the good ghosts and ghouls are probably like, wait, haven't you crones talked about curses before and what they do? Well, yeah, we could talk about curses all day long, but I think it really stems from like the fear of the unknown. Yes. And we were going back and forth today about like chaos and like, what does that mean to each of us? Because I think chaos is really subjective. Yeah. You know, like some people handle it better than others. So like chaos to me could look differently to chaos to 10. And like, what does that mean? The definition of chaos is simply complete disorder and confusion. Like do it. And that's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. So when we've spoken about, you know, cursing before and, you know, other types of magic of you need to be specific, like this is what we mean, because like you better dot your I's and cross your T's and make sure you know what you do. Yeah. And and before we start too, um, a lot of you I know are um, just starting out in witchcraft, you know, and this is not even about the baneful stuff. Make sure you understand why you are doing something, why you are doing a spell. Like, what is your end goal? And be really specific because I've done workings. I mean, we all know about my infamous love working. I was not suspe- uh, specific and I conjured up an ex-boyfriend. So that was terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and even with that, like, what is the unknown to you? Like, I know that's like such an open-ended question. You're like, what the fuck does that mean? But it's like, what are you, what would cause chaos to you? And if it's the unknown, like you got to kind of know what that is so you can nip it in the bud because the unknown could be so many different things. For some people, it could be like the fear of like what comes after death. Like that is the unknown to so many people. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny that we're covering this topic right after we just did the mystery cult to ISIS, which mystery religions is all about kind of curbing that fear of the unknown of death. No, you're so right. And like, like I said, with chaos, well, like Ten just said, it's kind of like, I think of it as like a pressure cooker where there is like a hot button mm. for a lot of people and that's going to be different for everybody. So I would almost know, like, I would want to know what my, if I was going to do a chaos working on somebody, I would probably ask what the hot button is for that person. Is it financial? Is it their relationship? Like, where do you want to go to cause chaos? Because they might be adept at handling financial chaos because maybe they grew up in a very unstable situation with their money and they're used to being in that situation. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to go and cause chaos financially, they might be adept at like ducking and dodging it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. but they might not be good at relationships what if they suck at communication and yeah. you're going for their relationship right that oh, yeah. could be where you're causing the discourse oh yeah I mean of course we see that mostly with like the ancient Greco-Romans of just going right for the heart like yeah <laughs> even even um my Italian folk magic that I was looking at today we know this that love falls under curses like binding love spells that technically is a curse yeah because of the importance of, you know, that was placed upon women finding a partner. Mm-hmm. So I always, I mean, like, I think love is a great place to start. 
<laughs> like if I were to cause chaos for somebody, it'd probably be either financial or like love related, but you have to know your target. Yes. You'd have to know what you're intended to do on a target. So um, that's why we always say like actually executing beautiful magic isn't as easy as you think. It's not just like throwing shit on a candle and being like, okay, work. It's like, you actually have to be a little bit of a, t- a detective and see and lift under it and like, what's going to cause this person chaos. You gotta, you gotta do a little sleuthing. This is a job for the FBI kind of deal. Yes. Yes, exactly. Where do you want to start, Chelsea? I feel like we should start maybe with um, your end with the Greco-Roman world. But I feel like we can kind of go back and forth because I do want to talk about, which I think this will fit nicely with what you have over there, um, curses and Italian folk magic. Okay. And like how insane and intense they are. There's like death curses in here. Um, people do not play with magic. No. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no. But I think, okay, I guess we'll just go like tit for tat in a sense. But like a huge thing with Greco-Roman, like magic, binding spells, cursing, everything like that. The biggest thing is the importance of twistedness, which sounds like super terrifying, right? Right off the bat. Yeah. And closely related to the notion of binding is the notion of twistedness, which operates in a sympathetic manner and restrains through confusion and hobbling. So not only are you trying to bind and or control an individual in the terms of ancient magic, but you're also trying to like mess with their mind and their heads to have them almost like go a different direction. Like you're kind of like steering them off course. Mm -hmm. So that's where like the confusion aspect is coming in, which is really interesting when uh, Daniel Ogden talks further about, you know, who are we really seeing with this? And a lot of times the God Hephaestus, who is known by Vulcan in the Roman pantheon, he makes the lightning bolts for Zeus. He is often portrayed with twisted legs. So we're seeing a lot of twisting of cursed dolls, of mm-hmm. lead tablets, and just causing utter confusion, I mean, which is just sense. like, but it's like, is that chaos? And confusion is chaos. Yeah, confusion can cause chaos for sure. Because when you're not thinking with a clear mind, a clear head, and you're confused, right? Mm-hmm. You get panicked. Some people have panic attacks, like in in uh, fits of confusion. And it's like, you can't find your way out. It's kind of throwing someone into a corn maze and like, there's no exit. Yes. And when you're looking at it through like the ancient lens, if we're looking for the curse tablets that are like made or inscribed on gold. So we know it's already from an upper class citizen. Most of the time it can be from men, but the examples that we do have from women, it's almost like they're trying to have men be confused to break up a relationship so that they can become, they can move from mistress or prostitute into wife. Because remember, everything was basically going back to the man. That was your source of income as a woman was wife, homemaker, or if you were a prostitute, you know, your job was based on your johns. No, it's true. And that's why love magic falls under curses. Because like I said, you know, you have to look at where these practices are coming from in another world, in another time period. And this still happens today. Marriage for women is super important because if you don't have that income, you don't have anything. So finding a partner is like the, it's your survival. You know, people are doing this nine times out of 10 for survival. And it's crazy that we see like love triangles in the, like coming from cursed tablets. Like we can put together a whole ass background of who was in love with who, who had a partnership with who, and why was so-and-so trying to break them up? It's insane. I mean, it makes sense. And I'm actually thinking of the movie, The Love Witch, where she like wants to find love so bad that she just like lures all these different types of men in. And it doesn't matter if they've been in a relationship. It doesn't matter, you know, like when people are desperate for love and they're Mm -hmm. moving in that mindset, they don't care. You know, they don't. They really don't. And when you are raised to think that like, that's what you, that's all your purpose is, is to be a wife, is to serve your husband and you're not getting that, or you, you want a certain partner, you're going to resort to a love binding for sure. A love binding or using confusion or memory loss in these type of defixiones or curse spells, because 
you are literally trying to mess with somebody's memory to have them forget about their current life, what they're trying to do in their everyday, like their, their current relationships. And we see this actually happen a lot in, um, what do you call it? like legal matters, but we really see it in love matters, just as Calypso in Greek mythology tried to erase Odysseus's memory of Ithaca. So where he was from and his wife, Penelope. Yeah. Like it's insane that like a lot of these love curses, love bindings really just spell out that the client should forget everybody else. It's really scary. We talked about this in depth. I, I gave an example of the Italian folk. If you mm-hmm. haven't listened to the Aphrodite and the darker side of love magic episode, where I actually shared a story from um, Italian folk magic by Mary Grace Ferrun, where a client of hers, like, or a story she had of like the man actually wound up like doing something horrible to himself because he was under a love spell and obsessed with his sister-in-law that she casted on him. And he lost everything. That's insane. It's insane, but it does happen. But the the individuals, so the divinities, the gods who the ancients are reaching out to also are known to cause chaos in their own manner because, you know, Greco-Roman gods go to the beat of their own drum, right? But- they love chaos, though. And we say this, like, they love getting involved in human chaos because it's fun for them. And to say otherwise is crazy. Like, they love using humans as chess pieces. Sometimes they're like, oh, you want chaos? I got you. So when you think about chaos, you also have to think about every single god in that pantheon and then kind of look at that darker side that they might have and how could chaos be used from them or by their powers or what can they inflict so there is a um example of a lead curse tablet that was found in greece that we do see figures of earth so gaia possibly and hermes being invoked Hermes. Hermes. I when we found that the other day, I was dying. I was like, he would be involved in some sort of chaos working. But it's interesting because he is uh, the messenger of the gods. So break that down even further. He's communication. Mm-hmm. Okay, chaos by communication in the ancient day and age. No internet. Uh, by uh, chaos in the form of the earth goddess Gaia. You will simply die. Like your crops don't grow. You are barren in yeah. every way, shape, and form. Ha- have mean, a nice day. <laughs> Hermes is also travels. So like what if you were a merchant and someone was trying to cause chaos on your business? I mean, I've even read in the Greek magical papyri, people actually using spells for Hermes for good business and success because oh. he is for the merchant. So it's like, you can literally cause chaos in someone's business business buildings it and that's why i say like you have to kind of know like what are these gods standing for like you want to you know have somebody lose their shipment okay poseidon you know yeah right what if it's coming overseas this is why it goes back to what i said you have to know your target like what is going to hurt them most it might not be their relationship they might not give a shit about their partner it (laughs) might be their business you know what i mean yeah so it all stems to like you need to know what you're doing if you're going to execute something like this but it's you have to know what you're doing but you not only that but you have to know like the ins and outs and like obscurities Mm -hmm. it truly is like the fbi like you have to oh my god (laughs) yeah you got to do some digging but what about you what are people doing in italian folk so italian folk's a little bit different but I'm going to talk about curses, La Fatura, in Italian folk practice. Um, my pronunciation, I tried my hardest. I was practicing. I was going, La Fatura, La Fatura, <laughs> which this is going to be interesting for you guys. So I've never really talked about this, talking about curses, but La Fatura are curses, mm-hmm. but it translates to invoice or bill. So okay. the thing with these curses is they're energetic. And when they hit you, it's going to cause you to pay. You're paying the price. And it's basically like a collector coming to your house, knocking on your door, being like, I need this. And it could be anything. It could be death uh, coming to collect uh, death, which is a death curse. Uh, Anything to do around finances, love, um, your organs, your health, your physical health. So I always found that really interesting that it's just almost like a collector, a debt collector coming to your doorstep. That's how they're viewing curses. As just like, I've done my part now. They're coming to collect their bill. 
Right. Even if you didn't sign up for the bill. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) How scary is that? It's like an invoice. It's like you being billed and you don't realize this is being taken from you. Like you don't realize stuff's coming out of your account, you know? Yup. So, um, with La Faturas, which is very interesting, you need to be involving, um, malevolent spirits. So I know this is going to like make no sense, but literally people, when they're doing these curses, they're using prayers, they're calling upon certain spirits, and it's almost like they're not inflicting it themselves. You need the help from the spiritual realm to do it. So there's certain like malevolent spirits that Italians will work with to cause a curse. And these are the spirits that are being tied to that are coming to collect payment. Interesting. And is it, so I just thought of something really, really kind of off the beaten path, but is it because of the belief is well if I am just kind of like petitioning and like putting in like my side of the work I'm not I'm kind of free of any blood guilt because okay. I wasn't the one who killed them so wait so yes yeah. so the the reason why these are so intense and they're really hard to remove is because you it's in most Italian belief that you have to know who did it that's the only way you can remove the curse and if you're using like an external force like you're working with a malevolent spirit or you're using a certain energy or you have a certain secret prayer right mm-hmm. it's kind of masking the fact that it could be you okay so is it to kind of like remove you from the situation? So it's like, well, whatever happened, happened to, you know. I don't know if that's the full intent, but okay. it does add that extra layer of mystery of where is it coming from? Because the gotcha. only way to remove it is to understand. And actually in Italian folk practice, there are people that specialize mm-hmm. in the removal of these types of curses. And it's a very hard thing to do and difficult when you don't know who the sender is. Well, it's similar when you look at the voice it, uh, Voices Magicae or the Greek Magical Papyri, where you have to know secret names of the gods and you have to be yes. putting in mystical and magical words and anagram spellings to make sure that if somebody were to hire a witch or a magi, they could not trace it back to you, that you were too confused like the energy of the curse. So it could return to sender. I mean, that is just basic magic 101. Like if you are going to send a baneful working to somebody, you better not be signed, sealing and delivering it with your name on it because a very skilled witch is going to figure it out. Listen, I've had hexes thrown at me and I've had to laugh because I've immediately was able to identify the person that sent it before I even did digging. It's like you leave an energetic signature on it. And if you're, if you know somebody or you, you know, keep your enemies close, right. You're going to know and understand their energy. You can read that instantaneously, depending on how, how skillful you are in getting your craft. So you need to do something to mask that. Yeah. And shoot baneful magic out here and don't cover your tracks. They're gonna remove it. You know what I mean? <laughs> send it right back. They're Hello, gonna send that Taylor. shit right back. Yeah. But it's it's interesting that like we see the same kind of concept happening in the Greek magical papyri, which of course is coming from three major cultures together, where they also understood some two thousand plus years ago. Hey, I can't sign from ten xoxo no. gossip girl like. <laughs> No, because then they could always remove it or send it back. And there are people that specialize this. Like I said, in Italian yeah. folk practice, there are people, this is their job, is to remove curses, to remove evil eyes, and they call it a cure. So the craziest part about curses is that they derive from the cures. And when we talk about cures, you know, I'm talking about, uh, we sell it in the store, right? Removing the evil eye, that is considered curing something. Yeah. So in order to do some of these curses, you basically do the opposite of the cure to curse. So you're kind of taking the, the penicillin and turning it into the virus <laughs> or the infection rather. Yeah. So I find it so fascinating, like the Italian world of magic, because it's like, while something has a cure, it also can have a fatura attached to it, depending on like the prayers and who you're calling upon to help and how you're inflicting it. It's, it's kind of known as a virus. Well, that makes sense because like the secret prayers that you keep mentioning, like those are not going to be disclosed. Like, no, and they're not disclosed in this book that I'm referencing, by the way. So for those of you that are like, tell me the book, Chelsea. Oh, I'll tell you, but it's not in here. Um, this like, is why I say Italian folk magic is hard to learn if you don't know somebody that does it. 
I was even going to say like, even for like the ancient names, like no Bob, Mary and Sue down the road is going to know like these secret names or these secret places or these secret prayers or even the God's real name. So it's like, you have to either hire a specialist Yes. Or you have to be very learned yourself and make sure that you are not sending something that you can't face on your own because the ancient Magi were also trained in kind of, you know, controlling or curtailing demones so they could figure out who sent them. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if you're very skilled in your craft, like look at me, I went from mousing up love magic to being able to understand the energetic signature of something that gets sent my way. You know what I mean? Like it's, you learn how to diagnose the evil eye and you learn the energy of the people around you because they're Mm -hmm. usually the culprits. Like, let's be honest, your enemies are usually the ones closest to you. Right. Yeah. Um, They like to stick close to the crime of the scene. Um, the scene of the crime rather. (laughs) Um, but, um, you have to, that's why just, if I can give anyone advice in magic and it's not magical advice, it's be the observer observe the people that are around you get used to their energy their intentions you can even tell a working a baneful working by someone's intention like if you're picking up on the energy of like okay this was meant to hit you know my relationship you can almost uh pare it down to who probably did that to you in your life who's made comments about your relationship who has said horrible things about your relationship they're the ones that most likely went for it and it's it's a good reminder to not show your entire hand. You got to keep some cards close to your, to your chest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Be, be the observe, observe, just take a step back. I mean, we are heading into like the winter months and like, you know, when you're doing magic, the best thing you could ever do is know yourself and know the people around you. Just take a look who is around you, because let's be honest with you. Some random witch in Arkansas is probably not going to be the one that's hexing you unless like someone has a witch for hire, but you'll still be able to like feel the energetic imprint. It's most likely going to be someone close to you. Right. So in, in Italian folk, are there any, I don't want to say baneful saints. Cause like, that's not true, but like, are there any kind of saints or divinities or entities who you would kind of, you know, put on your starting lineup for, you know, this kind of stuff. So it, it depends on what you're considering baneful and you kind of have to maneuver it from a different perspective. So for (laughs) example, if someone is attacking me and my protection, I'm going to call on Michael, right? Like if someone is putting my general safety at hand, I'm calling on Michael. Mary is also, I wouldn't even say they're baneful. It's like, you have to look at it from a different lens, right? A different perspective, they're not a hundred percent calling on saints. They're calling on spirits that are like malevolent, which are not identified in this book. So that's why I'm saying. You have to know someone that knows what they're doing in terms of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there definitely are things you could do depending on how you phrase it. Okay. It's all about how you phrase it. Like mm-hmm. Mary, if you're working with La Madonna and like the protector, aspect you know if someone's coming for your neck she's a mother what do you think some mother's gonna do she's gonna mama bear that shit she's gonna mama it back and it might not be what we consider baneful magic i'm not saying mary's out here cursing people in the streets but you know (laughs) she might she might cut someone down by their knees that's trying to attack you you know what i mean and what does that mean to a mom it could be anything she's gonna she's gonna hurt you as much as you've hurt her kid you know, yeah, no, that's an, that's an interesting take of you have to take a different perspective and make sure like all areas are covered, but you know, it's so interesting to like who you would call on, you know? Yes. I don't think there's like, at least in my family, there's no like baneful quote unquote saints that are baneful that we call upon. Yeah. It would be malevolent spirits, mm-hmm. the energy of a malevolent spirit, um, calling forth a malevolent spirit. You know, mm-hmm. and how do you do that? That's through like uh, secret prayers, certain yeah. things that you say. So it's not a hundred percent identified, and mm-hmm. it's not something that it's in. I'm referencing this Italian folk book. Um, and by the way, I've never done an Italian curse before, so I was just reading about it early on today. But um, I do know that like this shit's crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a story. <laughs> oh yeah, um, it's crazy book- that like go ahead. On your end of like the more like modern Italian, since I'm taking like the Greco-Roman, like past kind of Mediterranean, 
with yours, it's interesting that it's like, it's still very hush hush. Like we cannot say like certain names, secret prayers are still very secretive and it's still determined, like determined by like lineages. So like every family could almost have their own spirits that they are evoking. Meanwhile, the Greco-Romans are they're laying their whole ass hand on the ground by saying um, Hecate, Hermes, Persephone, Demeter. Like they are naming names and pointing fingers on where they want their target hit. <laughs> well, I think that's because if you look at um, Hellenism, right, the gods are known for uh, discord and chaos. And like that's yes. all of Greek mythology, right? You read Greek mythology and you're like, these people are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? Respectfully to the gods. But in Italian folk magic, remember, it is Catholicism. So it's like they're not going to be as out and open being like, I'm calling upon this saint in this church to do this. And, you know, as far as I know, my family never did that with saints. It's always been malevolent spirits. But it's like because it's frowned upon, because it's associated with witchcraft, mm-hmm. they're not talking about it out loud. They're not no. recording all of this because it is technically magic. Yeah. So it's going to be passed on via oral tradition and you're not going to be like slamming down like your saint cards or your malevolent spirit cards. Like it's a Pokemon duel. Like that's, that's, you got to move swiftly and softly. Right. A hundred percent. So it's like, you know, they're doing, they're covering under Catholicism and you know, Mm -hmm. the church is essentially turning a blind eye to like what's going on over here. You know, I mean the church, I mean, there are biblical freaking curses out there. I mean, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, you probably could in the Bible, like some people, you know, in my practice, like the Bible, the rosary prayers are a huge thing. And people are like, how are you using prayers for magic? It's like, well, depends on how you're looking at it. Right. Mm -hmm. Is it magic or are you just simply petitioning, asking for help? Right. You're putting it out there into the universe. I don't think my ancestors would have called it magic. You know, my dad tells a story about my aunt Jean of how she blessed his hand and his horn. And when he was at work, he had someone bothering him at work, his boss, he held the horns up and the guy fell off the truck and got seriously injured in the face. So she like said secretive prayers over his hand and horn. He took it to work, held the horns up. The horns also another thing you can do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, is it baneful magic or was this guy just constantly throwing negative energy at my dad and just got sent back to him? Yeah. Was it a protection amulet? How are we looking at this? Exactly. And it's like, who is it causing, who is it causing chaos for? Who is it baneful? Who is considering it baneful? Again, you have to know where you stand on your own kind of like spectrum in a sense. Yeah. And also too, with folk practices, it depends on the region. You know, I don't want to make an umbrella statement for all of Italy when I practice Sicilian magic. So it's different. While things are the same, they're also super different. People are looking at things differently. Um, one And what I found interesting in this book, which I'm referencing Italian Magic, Secret Lives of Women by Karen Crisis, which I highly recommend uh, a little bit more in depth. It's like the cultural aspect, the anthropological aspect and study of mostly Sardinia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's looking at Italy as a whole and seeing different how people are viewing the folk practice um but one thing that she did say in this book was um there was a little discrepancy on how long it would take to identify a curse but most italians believe it's seven days before you can identify a curse has hit you wait that's so interesting because seven was the number associated with isis i'm telling you i really feel like all this shit is really tied together i know seven isn't it also like a it's associated somewhere in Catholicism, I believe. Listen, I am not the world's greatest Catholic. (laughs) I'm not sitting here knowing everything, but, um, but it seems like numerology. Oh my God. I would love to take a rabbit hole dive into numerology one day, but no, seven was really big in the cult of ISIS. That's interesting. Yeah. Seven days it takes. Um, I don't know the symbology around that. There was no expansion, but, um, I just want to reiterate, as I am reading more into this, it is mostly malignant spirits, malevolent okay. spirits that are carrying out these curses, but you have to know who to call upon. Ah, so it's like upon. necromancy with the Greco-Romans. You had to know, yeah, you had to know which restless dead spirit to call on yep. and hope that they were allowed to leave the underworld. Yeah. And it's still very hush hush, even in this Italian folk book. So see, they're still covering it up. Oh yeah. Oh, but it depends. How are you viewing it? Right. I don't know. Like I said, it's like, how do you view chaos? I think these things are all very subjective 
um baneful magic to me is a little bit subjective it's like what is going to hit the person the hardest what i think is going to hurt somebody might not hurt them at all so mm-hmm. that's that and like yeah what do you consider like i said if you're working if you're worshiping la madonna and she's the center of your household and your practice and she's coming in as a mother and someone's coming in to hurt you mm-hmm. you know people have worked with mary in a very very like I want to say motherly vicious way. Yeah. Or, you know, even reflecting back to the forgotten women of the Bible episode. I mean, shit, look at what Judith and Yael did. Right. And they were just protecting, you know, their people. <laughs> right. Damn. Right. Because it's just considered protection. Yes. And I think chaos, you have to put your spin on it of what are you trying to get out of it? Yes. Like what Not is just chaos. Yes. Like, like don't chaos is the like, result, but what is it for? Um, a few things I want to talk about that I've read in this book. Um, like I said, I've I've no experience with uh cursing. Uh, I, all I've ever talked about was you could take that lemon in church, say a few secret prayers. Isn't that crazy? Taking a lemon into church and cursing somebody like you, the definition smell, of holy. <laughs> you smell citrus this uh Christmas season. You know, you know some hanky panky shits going down in the back pew. Yeah. So. This is, um, it's a little bit, it's not graphic. I'm not going to go into graphic details, but if you don't like the idea of a decaying animal, just skip like a minute or two, um, <laughs> trigger warning. But one of the things that I read here was they actually found evidence of a woman who was practicing Italian folk magic and she wanted to basically launch a death curse at her target. So she took a toad and stuffed the hair of the target in the toad so that the person would choke and couldn't eat. Ooh. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. That's intense. That's, that's like some hatred for somebody. You know what I mean? That is, that is thought out and detailed. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, a lot of people always ask me, you know, what is the symbology of hair in your practice? Now I didn't grow up in a household where if someone got a hold of my hair, it was the end of the world. But mm-hmm. I do know that like I have friends that won't go to hairdressers because their hair is spiritual and they're very spiritual. And what if someone, your hair is very sacred. You could do anything with someone's hair. Yeah. Hair is also, you know, used in identification um, in the Greco-Roman sense, we see a lot of um, lead curse tablets that are folded in such a way or pierced with nails, but they will contain hair of the target and or, you know, nail clippings, but to make sure that the malevolent spirits or divinities or whoever they're evoking knows that, hey, we're trying to get uh, Mr. Buttons and his son, Bob. They're also going to draw pictures of them. Even like the most simplistic stick figure drawing is going to help this malevolent force. Yeah. I mean, because you need to make sure you're hitting your target. So yeah, even in Italian folk, like bodily fluids is something that would have been Mm -hmm. used, um, anything to identify the target. Um, but yeah, I find it interesting because I do understand the importance of hair and how you can use that for magical purposes for bad, where it's like, if someone gets a hold of your hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a lot of people that are part of close practices talk. I mean, like I've had the conversation with Polka about yeah. hair. Hair is really important where it's like, you won't even leave it in someone's house. And I was never raised that way. So I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about it before where it's like, you can't always eat at somebody's house because you just never know. Like, never know. dude, you can, Italians love magic and food. We talked about it. Yeah. We talked about it in the darker side of love magic. Spaghetti sauce. Mm-mm. You know what you can hide in that? Mm, think red. <laughs> Think red. Yeah, think red. Okay, you want to talk about obsession, love magic, and causing chaos. So, but it's fascinating because it's not even just Italian practice. It's in so many, I would probably say it's in most cultures, that is things that people do. Oh, yeah. It's because, crazy. like, what's accessible to them? Food? That's what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, they, they don't always have candles to do things with. <laughs> so you got to get creative. But I'm like, Damn, man. Um, reading about Italian curses scares the crap out of me. I'm like, that is hardcore. And well, thank you. I pass. Oh, my God. Yeah. Any type of curse that like ancient curses. I'm just like, oh, hey, yo. Yeah. I was reading something the other day and for a lecture and I said it out loud and I had to stop giving my lecture to my students. And I was like, OK, tangent moment with Professor K. This is a straight up um, curse. 
it's a conditional curse, but it's yeah. a curse nonetheless. It's a curse nonetheless. Yeah. And it all depends on like what you classify as a curse and what your practice is and yeah. how are you looking at it? What is baneful magic to you? What is chaos magic? And before, you know, we end the podcast, speaking of chaos magic, because it is something that like people are doing in modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen people call themselves chaos practitioners. Like I don't, I don't know anything about all that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, like I said, I stay far. I won't even make the maelstrom oil. I stay far away from the chaos end. Like <laughs> I like to be methodical and strategic. Like I not good with the chaos stuff, but um, <laughs> one thing that you can do mm-hmm. for all the chaos people out there, um, you can make a tornado, a tornado jar, get yep. hurricane water outside, rainwater, water from a storm, throw mm-hmm. someone's name in that shit, add some baneful herbs, shake that up, cause some chaos cause some chaos you know 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 your uh mythology yeah (laughs) no yeah exactly know your mythology it's gonna look differently in every single pantheon um or sometimes not yeah oh god yeah you know i think of like norse paganism i always think of hagalas like that to me just equals chaos so i'm just like anytime i see that i'm like no no hagalas and perthro so the unknown unknown in a storm bye yeah, like, what if you just threw magic that was like, I want something, I want you to just be in the unknown. Like, that would freak me out. And maybe I'm showing my Achilles heel, but <laughs> the unknown, that's scary. The unknown. The Wander un- the unknown. unknown forever. It's like, no. Like, everything just always will be unknown forever. But again, going back to that memory and, like, moving you off course and everything, bye. Mm-mm. No, or, like, throwing someone in a corn maze and they can't get out. Yeah. That is like saw to me. That's my nightmare. Yeah. So um, a very interesting conversation about chaos magic because I thought I had an idea of where this was going to go today. And then I realized like, no, chaos really is different from person to person. Like what is chaos to people? Yeah. I think it really, you know, you have to sit down and find out about yourself to even ask yourself that question of what do I consider chaotic? Because certain parts of my life, I thrive in chaos. I thrive under pressure. As I tell Kevin and my mom all the time, I'm like, you know, diamonds are made under pressure and fuck my dissertation was done under pressure. But there are certain things that if it, one thing is out of line, I melt down. (laughs) So it's like, you have to know yourself to be like, I can do chaos here. I will have a mental breakdown here. I'm not, I, I will admit, I'm not very good with chaos. Like I've said, I just, it's something I have to get better at because like as humans, chaos is always going to ensue. Like things just happen in life. And mm-hmm. it's like, maybe it wouldn't happen if it, if it didn't bother me as much, maybe in my mind wouldn't just like spiral and start to like go out of control. But um, yeah, for me, it's like, everything has to be a certain way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like going off course. <laughs> I like to know where I'm going. I like to see up ahead for a good two miles. I don't have to know everything, but if I can't see and I'm off course, no, I'll just lay there. (laughs) Oh my God. I'll freaking die. I'll just lay down and just cry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. And anything like financial, I feel like finances is a lot for people where it's like, no, no, like we need to be able to pay our bills. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know what I think for me, I don't even know what mine is. Like it's so much, but nothing at the same time. Yes. See, because maybe you don't 100% know. I, yeah, damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's thought. your marriage. Like, maybe it's like, it's like, if that's not doing well, does that cause chaos? You don't have to answer. Like, we're getting so deep on the podcast, but it's like, think about that. Like, what would cause no, chaos? I don't think it, no, because it's not my marriage because shit. Kevin and I have been fucking pressure cooking before and now can laugh, but like in the moment, you're like, fuck. But you learn to, like move and go I hate to be cliche but like go with the flow and I often think about like having to withstand chaos and like whatever you almost have to imagine like yourself just like kind of floating on water if you fight against it you are going to weigh yourself out so you have to learn to just kind of like mesh in and just blend in with it no me I'm just punching the waves I'm like that's me and then I wear myself out and then I get taken out to sea that's what happens to me in chaos and I know it I know it. That's why I don't like that maelstrom oil. Get it away from me. The corpse one I'll make all day long. Yeah. Maelstrom, keep that shit out of here. You know who just like pop, like really randomly, like before we wrap up, who just popped into my mind who like is literally like the embodiment of chaos, like in a movie that I need to watch again soon. Oh. 
Jack fucking Sparrow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, like I wish I could embody that energy. I'm just like I caused chaos. Let me leave. The 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 curse of the black pearl when he when they're going after the pearl, um, or they're going for Tortuga. I forget where they're going, but he's just driving the ship in the middle of a fucking maelstrom itself, and he's just looking at his compass that doesn't fucking point north and he's just like we're catching up and i'm just like what's happening no i think there's something to be learned in that of like i need to embody more of that energy like or what's the that infamous scene where the plank falls down and he just like walks across you know what i mean like something is happening in the background and he gets on the plank and just walks across it and he like gets to safety and i'm like oh it always work out for him the opening scene where his uh dinghy is sinking and then he just walks onto the dock that's chaos a purse full of coins and pays for his parking spot dude how i want to move from crone into i was just gonna i was just (laughs) get out of my head i was just gonna say that it's no more crone season even though crones wouldn't panic in chaos they'd probably cackle and be like all right fine i'm gonna ride the wave i'm gonna capture the chaos and use it jack sparrow is who we need to embody next this is what we need we all need to just be like everything's just gonna work out it's fine it's fine we'll make it to the end and get our pot of gold yeah, I too will steal some of the cursed gold and then you can't kill me. So Uno reverse, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not even chaos. It's like, he's so good at spinning things in his favor. Yeah. Lots of lesson too. You can spin the chaos in your favor. Oh, you just gotta, you just need a little nudge or a little redirection, a little. I know. Oh, talking about chaos gets me like very upset because I hate it so much. <laughs> I'm not even talking about magic. I just mean in my everyday life where I'm like, how can I spin this in my favor while I'm on the floor having a panic attack of like, there's too much happening. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Let's leave this episode on. What would Jack Sparrow do? What would Jack Sparrow do? So, what would Jack Sparrow do for chaos or just like today? I mean, that's just the way we should think. Like if something is bad is happening, what would Jack Sparrow do? That's how we should leave the episode. Spin it into your own fortune. Yeah. Fortune favors the brave. Period. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's it. Do you have anything else you want to add to the chaos portion of our episode? I think that's everything. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. What Jack Sparrow says to Gibbs at the very end, take what you can and give nothing back. Done. This is just going to be the episode about Jack Sparrow. It's going to be the title. Right. anyway that is our episode on chaos i wish i could run like jack sparrow to you all right now but we are coming at you with poison next week we are talking chaos (laughs) we're talking about women supporting women the old-fashioned way and we're here for women's rights and women's wrongs so we are going to be covering aquatapana and then we're diving into the mother of demons herself, Lilith. I'm very so excited. Come along with us on the end of our journey on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride now. We're out of the Haunted Mansion. We're on to Pirates of the Caribbean. And then we're ending with our Christmas special. Any final words from you, Chelsea, before we sign off? No, I do have to say, I'm going to miss the podcast. Like, I was looking at how <laughs> many episodes we have left. And, like, we'll be off for a while. I can't wait. Oh, my God. Ten. We need to talk about the Christmas collection. Oh my God. We're getting closer to the time. We're getting closer to the time. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we have an incredible Christmas collection because I know Chelsea and I earlier this year were like, we're not doing a Christmas collection. Joke's on you. We did. <laughs> no, we did. And actually, it's probably going to be the biggest collection ever. No, it is like we, we are going way darker than last year. So if you were with us for our like Northern lights, glacial kind of theme last year for the Yule gala, if you will. Um, yeah, it is coal darkness. <laughs> it's gothic. So it's, it's Gothic Christmas, but it's like in a pretty way, but I just want to give the date for the mystery boxes. So I misspoke in the last episode. I said it was going to be black Friday, but we actually changed it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the 20th. So November 20th, we have mystery boxes launching at 12 PM Eastern time. These are going to be the last mystery boxes probably until the springtime. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't even know if we're going to be doing mystery boxes in the springtime. We'll see. We do have a collection already drawn out for spring, but 
So the 20th, um, we have a limited amount of mystery boxes because it is the holiday season. Yes. Um, I feel like we should just go over the themes that people know for the mystery boxes. Yes. So we have two different themes, kind of like how the Halloween collection was. So the first one is going to be a dark cathedral. Think Notre Dame. Like, think the Gothic architecture of Europe. We are going after stained glass. And that one is really going to be for peace, family gathering, just bringing in the warmth and the spirit of the time, especially if you've lost anybody, um, really just bringing their memory back with you. A lot of like church candles, like that kind of theme. And then we have, of course, Yule. So it's going to be a little bit more homey, herby, mold wine. We're getting dark. We're getting dark elixirs again. And we have so many cool things for the mystery boxes. So you aren't going to want to miss it. They are extremely limited because mm-hmm. your little elves over here, we can only do so much. <laughs> yeah, we can. And we have um, two new elixirs coming out. And I believe the new moon candle we're launching in December. Mm-hmm. We have, so since it's like the darkness of Christmas, we're launching a new moon candle. So for those of you that are like, I I want a new moon candle, we got you. It's coming. It's going to be very dark. We have a new moon elixir coming. We have a Yule elixir coming, other oils, a lot of other amazing things that are like non-oil or candle related. Um, So that's going to be launching on the 20th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And then the full Christmas collection is going to launch on November 30th at 12 p.m. So if you don't want a mystery box, you'll wait till the week after. It'll be launching on that Friday. So literally mark your calendars. Follow us on Instagram at Sticks and Bones, the store. We will be announcing like the collection when it's happening. We sold out within like a few days for the Samhain boxes. A lot of you already asked us if we're doing them for Christmas. We are. So get them while you can because the December collection is not going to be up for that long. We're taking a break in December. So yeah. So get them early because gird your loins. We gotta we gotta go on Christmas vacation. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait. We're almost at the finish line. I'm having fun, but I'm like I too, I too need to sleep for like a day, and then I'll get back up and be like, okay, what's next? <laughs> Ready to go? Anyway, okay, now we're good. Now you can take us home with the outro. I forgot you keep doing the outro, so I'm like, let's go. Let's go. Take me home. Country, Country road, roads. Oh, so that is the end of this podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, subscribe, and write down what you want us to talk about in season three. What do you do to cause chaos in your own life? What do you do to curb chaos? How do you ground yourself in chaos? What strange late middle of the night thoughts do you have when you wake up? Let us know in the comments below. But until next time, stay spooky and stay curious. Bye. Bye.